Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A strange spiralling white light was spotted in the early morning sky over Sydney with even sceptical witnesses wondering if it was a UFO. They were last seen on the beach with a tall man. And that's the best description police have ever had of him. More than 17 years after Harold Holt disappeared into raging surf at Cheviot Beach, his widow has finally revealed his last romantic words. Shocking, terrifying, mesmerising. That's the way a number of Australians have described their alleged encounter with the Yowie. It's time for the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. And welcome to the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. This is episode 20. I'm your host, Matthew Soule. And joining me for another episode is intrepid researcher, Holly Hunt. G'day, g'day. So, this week, we're about to embark on another series of podcasts. And we're going to be focusing on... Badasses. Yep, yeah, yeah, a lot of badasses. <laughs> we're going to be focusing on the Australian Bushranger. But before we get into the uh, the Australian Bushranger, we need to do a quick correction here. This correction was sent in by Thomas Nielsen. He said, fact corrections, a puma is a genus of which cougars are the sole survivor. A puma is another name for the cougar, the bobcat, which is of the lynx family evident by the short tail and tuft ears, is never called a puma, though hunting hounds do tend to mistake the two. That was regards to our Big Cats episode. Episode 16. Episode 16. So thanks for getting in touch with us, Thomas. He did so via the Modern Meltdown Twitter page, which is at Modern Meltdown. Uh, Of course, if you have any corrections or if you just want to tell us a story or just get in touch in general, don't forget to let us know via the social medias. Send us your love. Yeah, send us the love. We love the love. Uh, so, uh, we're going to be discussing bushrangers and we thought we would do, I think initially it was maybe like one episode on bushrangers and one episode on Kelly. Ned Kelly and the Kelly gang. But then you did the research and there were a lot of- Fun ones. Yeah, there are a lot of fun ones and they all deserve their own little mention. So- This series, uh, just like our previous Wolf Creek series, is going to be going for five episodes. So, if you haven't listened to our Wolf Creek series, go back and have a bit of a listen to that, because that's a really good one as well. And the reason these sort of expand out into a series uh, within the podcast is just because there is so many interesting stories that are worth talking about. Yeah, this one I started, I looked up Bush Rangers, and they're like, then there's this guy, and then there's this guy, and then the Bush Rangers started this rebellion, and all this, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to be doing all those individually. (laughs) So, this one is actually very interesting for the respect that... We're going to be talking about the first bushranger, at least what people attribute to being the first bushranger. He wasn't actually a convict. He wasn't, yes, he was a convict. Well, he was a convict, but he, he was wasn't, there for less than 12 months before he decided to strike out on his own. Yeah, he, he wasn't. Was he part of the British? He was the first fleet. He was part of the first fleet. Um, but what blew my mind is this guy was, you, you would have to consider him to be 
an American. Yes, an African-American. And what's interesting about that is you've got essentially the Wild West gunslinger culture birthing the Bushranger. And, and I think a lot of Australians have quite, in some cases, misplaced pride in Bushrangers. Oh, yeah, we all think the Bushrangers are Irish descent. They're not. They're from fucking everywhere. Yeah, and so where better to start than what people would consider the first uh, Bushranger? It, it reminds me of the Assassin's Creed franchise a little bit. Why is that? Well, because in uh, the Assassin's Creed games, you have all of these different uh, assassins from all over. You know, it's like in Origins, I think it's an Egyptian. Yep. And it's like, it's kind of interesting to see the the parallels between that and Bushrangers, how the very first Bushranger was an African-American soldier from the Civil War era. He wasn't a soldier. He was a kid at that point, but he probably would have- he was around that area. He probably would have run messages and shit, so. Uh, So- Let's uh, let's get straight into it. This first episode is going to be about the first Australian bushranger, and that is John Julius Caesar. Not his real name. <laughs> um, so, John Julius Caesar, known as John Caesar most of the time, was born in 1763, maybe 1764. He was born in the West Indies, which is an area of the Caribbean. I think it's a set of islands. I'm pretty sure it's more than one island, but it's a set of islands. Uh, And he grew to be almost two meters tall when he died. So, even for that era, he is one tall motherfucker. That's a pretty tall dude. Even for now, he's a tall guy. Yes, very, very much so. Because we've slowly been increasing in height. Someone, I think it was Jim Jeffries did a bit on Jesus Christ being only Hmm. a little bit taller than four foot. No, it would have been about... The height of most people's shoulders, like you and I are tall, yep. so it's not really a good gauge, but usually somewhere about five feet was the average in the early 1900s, late 1800s. So, yeah, we've been shooting upwards since with lack of <laughs> malnutrition. Yes. Um, so, John Caesar was part of the American War of Independence, suspected of being a freed or escaped slave. Um, now, when the War of Independence ground down and the British were booted out in 1783... Most of the freed or escaped slaves actually ran for England. They jumped on a boat with the redcoats and they bolted. Why yeah. is that? Well, if you stay and the Americans are in charge, then... You're a the, slave. Yeah, you have no choice. Whereas in America, you did have free black people wandering around. England. Yes. You that's mean. what I meant. <laughs> you just, yeah. Good job on uh, confusing everyone yeah. real quickly. Okay. In England, a black person could be free. In America, a black person was probably never going to be free. So, they... They hightailed it out of there. Yeah, they got the fuck out there. On the way between America and England, every one of them was entered into what was called the Book of the Negroes, written in 1783. Now, historians have gone through, they've had a look, and they've identified him most likely to be entered as 14-year-old Creole slave boy. Um, His name was bestowed by the slavers who took him. It wasn't actually his birth name. No one knows what his birth name is, obviously, because the slavers would have used the slaver name. Yep. Calling him John Julius Caesar is supposedly in line with if you call your dog Rex. You know, you just give him a name that sounds kind of macho, but really it just means that you're a pet. Yep. 
I, there, there isn't some interesting story behind him being referred to as John Julius Caesar, like Julius Caesar obviously being uh, one of the emperors of Rome, very powerful figure. I'm there pretty sure a, at that point in time, the slavers were like, hey, look, I've got the emperor of Rome at my feet running me errands uh, and so shit. It was, a, it was a dick move. Yeah, it it's was always dick, move. dick moves. Yeah, They're slavers. Move. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, by the time he got to Australia, he'd actually picked up the nickname Black Caesar. So, you know. Doesn't really get much better, does no, it? No, it doesn't. No. 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 Yeah, it's getting worse. It's yeah. getting worse. Um, in 1786, he was labelled as working as a servant in Deptford in England. So, he had an actual job. He wasn't a slave. He was a servant. So, life was already looking up from being in America. Yep. At that point, yeah, for sure. On the 17th of March, 1786, he was tried in a court in Kent for stealing 240 shillings. I went through, I did the math on that, and that's about 16,000 Australian dollars. In our today's money. Today's money. That's a that's a pretty... I thought it would be like 260, uh, 240 shillings. I thought it would be pretty substantial. So. It's about 60 pounds. Yeah. Um, which meant that, yeah, $16,000 now... He got that by pickpocketing sailors as they came in offshore. Jesus. And he so, he was running his life trying to do that because sailors are not the nicest people. So, you would so think- Coming ma- from a family of them. You would <laughs> think maybe, yeah, he was nicking, what, maybe two, three shillings off a person. So, he was probably hitting a hundred people a day. That's not bad. That's like three days work, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad haul. Um, out of that conviction, he was sentenced to transportation to Australia for seven years. Now, for more info on that, uh, check out our episode on the Rum Rebellion and when we go into (laughs) the First Fleet and how convicts were brought to Australia. There are actually a couple more links to the Rum Rebellion by the end of this, so you will will definitely want some background information on that. Yep, so go back and have a listen to that episode. Uh, But this is interesting because Australians, not all Australians, I think most Australians, I, I often give the benefit of the doubt with I think we're a, a genuinely pretty good people. Uh, I think people still to this day disregard how multicultural Australia has always been. I mean, for the fact that our first bush ranger was an ex African American slave and was brought with other convicts from all over the world to settle in Australia. We always have been that sort of nation of um, people from all ethnic backgrounds. What are they called? Bitsers. Bits of everything. Yeah, we're a bitser race. Yeah, mongrel race. We're, we're bits and pieces of everything, um, which is good because you want that. And let, genetic diversity. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> genetic diversity is good. Otherwise, you look like Scotland. <laughs> the English all royal white, family. <laughs> all white people. Any all. royal family, really. <laughs> yeah. You end up, yeah, with haemophilia and unable to clot like the royals. Um, John Caesar left London aged 23 uh, on in May... 1787. He arrived on the ship Alexander. He was a member of the First Fleet and, of course, he landed in Botany Bay in January 1788. As we said, he was actually one of the first African-American people to survive to arrive in Australia. As far as I know, he was the only black guy on that ship. Because we don't have a massive amount of... Uh, African descended people being brought to Australia. We never had that well, sort of slave trade. Well, the only way you're trade. really going to get it is if the Americans fleeing to England come here. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the African people, as far as I know, and I'm not being racist, didn't really have the funds to leave Africa. So they didn't really spread and immigrate and move yeah, to well, London or Mediterranean or wherever. I, I very much, <laughs> I very much doubt that um, 
uh, the African peoples had the resources to go to other countries, nor would they even want to. They, they could were mostly if it was forced. land and they were usually fighting them, but, so it wasn't really tourism. But what I mean is that Australia, just because of the way that we came about as a country, mostly through uh, resettled convicts, we didn't purchase slaves. Yeah, it took I'm seven saying. months to get from England to Australia. So, even if you were getting a slave from Africa, it would still take six, eight months to get here. It's not like it was just crossing the, the Atlantic for like a month and a half. I, I'm sure people had African people of descent like as slaves. I'm sure they had those people. It's just it wasn't as prominent mm-hmm. as, say, England or America. They weren't really America. called slaves. They were called convicts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone's coming here as a criminal. So, everyone's sort of on the, the same playing field anyway. 29th of April, 1789, John Caesar was tried for the theft of stealing food. Now, this was a massive crime because back then they couldn't really grow it very well because Australia isn't a very agriculture-friendly continent. Yep. Which is what we learned from the Rum Rebellion. They were importing a lot of their food. They were importing in a lot of their, um, their liquor and... They were very reliant on Britain to keep the colony alive for a time. Imports are very important at this stage. Because farming had not been established yet. Yeah. It was going to take some time. It was less than just over two years from the time they actually set foot. So, they still wouldn't have very much cleared land, let alone having that cleared land viable for farming. Yeah. Because of that theft of food, John Caesar was sentenced to a second term of transportation, meaning that he could never go back to England. Uh, His stay in Australia was thus for life. And in those early days of the colony, I can understand people wanting to get away. Yes, it would not have been nice. Uh, You're talking hot summers. uh, Cold winters. Very cold, very wet winters. Very inhospitable country that had never been cleared. The native people taking pot shots at you because you're killing their food sources. Yeah. So, it's it's not a great place at the time. Yeah, you're you're not wanted. No. By anything. (laughs) Two weeks later, um, it was recorded that John Caesar was actually pretty much homeless. During England's first few years here and well and truly into the 1970s, there was an unofficial white Australia policy, which meant that no one really wanted to board with the black guy. Um, No one wanted to board with him. No one really wanted to share their food with him. So he was forced to find his own food and shelter, which is one of the reasons why he was stealing stuff. Because he was pretty much on the outs anyway, Caesar then took to the bush with some provisions, an iron pot, and a musket stolen from a marine. Now, the biggest, most expensive part of that theft was actually the iron pot. There was no iron mines in Australia at that point. There weren't really very many blacksmiths. You weren't going to get another iron pot for at least a year and a half. Yeah, but I mean, they're giving him no choice at this point. What else is he going to do? They're not feeding him, they're not sheltering him, so... So, he steals some shit and it's time to go make it on his own. That being said, it's important to keep in mind that uh, he had a life, he had a job in England, and he still decided to steal. So, it it sounds to me like this dude is a habitual thief and this is sort of part of the course for what this guy has done so far. Now, one of the reasons he took off was because back at that point in time, there was a... Not so much a myth, but a knowledge going around that if you walked far enough north, you'd reach China. And from there, you could walk back to England. (laughs) Do they not know what an island is? Well, they didn't realize Australia was an island at that point. Really? I thought they hadn't they circumnavigated Australia by that that point? point. Like, really? Well, it doesn't matter because that would be the map makers looking at it. It wouldn't be the convicts. They would have just seen... 
the more public things would have just been the line from Queensland and it would have jumped straight to New Guinea. There wouldn't I, have been the Bass Strait in there. I happen the, to... I the Torres Strait, sorry. I happen to think the people that they wanted to get rid of or wanted them to leave the colony, they <laughs> said, do. oh, yeah, walk if, to China. If, if you walk for like a week, you'll get to China, knowing full well that they were sending them to their death. I think that's more of a likely yeah. scenario. And thus, we have the start of the Australian sense of humour. <laughs> Now, because John Caesar found it incredibly hard to get food out of the Australian bush, he went back to thieving. Also something, as we said, that he knows works really well. He stole rations from farms and held up passers-by for two and a half weeks. So, he lasted longer in the bush than I would have. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a bad run. Um, but this is the start. This is the start of the bush ranger behaviour. Um, now, would this be a good time to talk about what you would call a bushranger, like a, a description of a bushranger. Yeah, go for it. You know, I've always thought of them in comparison to American outlaws, American cowboys. You know, if you've ever played a video game like Red Dead Redemption, for example, it's pretty much what an Australian bushranger is like. Uh, these guys are survivalists. Uh, they rely mostly on themselves. Uh, they carry their gear with them. They run as light as they can and they rob constantly. Stagecoaches were a very big target for them because they were usually loaded down with money, food, and provisions. And a lot of the time, they looked fucking cool doing it. You know, they <laughs> they had the uh, oh yeah, not washed, wearing old clothes and covered in old blood. Yeah, look real cool, Matthew. Real I think cool. they do, and then they were wearing masks <laughs> and stuff. I mean, when we get to Ned Kelly at the end of the series, I mean, Ned Kelly has to be one of the coolest looking outlaws you're ever going to well, come across. Well, it's the only reason why most people have heard of him. Yeah, exactly right. So. Yeah, these these guys were criminals first and foremost. A lot of them didn't kill people, but there was a substantial amount that did as well. We sort of we've glorified the bushranger in Australian culture just because that's what Australians do. We're we're always up the government. Well, I mean, we used to be. That that's the sort of the thing. Oh, we still kind of are. Most people avoid you know, their taxes as I, hard as possible. <laughs> Yeah, we've always been a, a nation of people that likes to sort of uh, glorify our rogues and our um, and our outsiders more than the mainstream. And so, yeah, that's that's what a bushranger is. A bushranger is essentially a thief. Uh, will hold you up with a gun and take your shit. I would like to point out that a bush ranger is different to a cop at this point in time, only by the fact that the cop is wearing a uniform. Oh, so what you're meaning to say, and I was like, what the fuck with that analogy? <laughs> I had no idea what you're talking about. What you mean to say is at the, the police time, the police usually were so- Yeah, the police, <laughs> a lot of the police were- they were elevated basic, convicts most yeah, of the time. They were either elevated convicts or they were formed out of the- um, the core, the, the, the army core. And so, yeah, they were just as um, they were just as corrupt and dodgy as the people that they were hunting. Yeah, so the difference was the uniform. Yeah. <laughs> 26th of May, 1789, uh, Caesar stole some rations from a brick-making gang, which was a gang of convicts that were forced to make bricks for houses. Um, he was near Brickfield Hill. I wonder why you can work out that name. Because they make bricks there. <laughs> and he was almost caught. Now, we do actually have a quote from a contemporary source, which I'm pretty sure Matthew is smiling because he wants to say it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <clears throat> this was George Barrington, who was a pickpocket. Um, so he said this of Caesar's capture. At the later end of maybe several convicts reported that they had seen the body of a wire man in a cove at a distance. A master was called, but no one was found absent. But a black man named Caesar, who had absconded from the service of an officer and taken with him a gun, an iron pot and some provisions. In the course of a short time, however, he was caught and as the idea of death seemed to have no effect on his mind, the governor ordered him to be kept at work on Garden Island in fetters. So yeah, um, John Caesar was transported to Garden Island where he was pretty much made to just work his ass off. However, 6th of June 1789, he was back to his old tricks and attempted to steal food from the house of the colony's assistant commissary for stores. In other words, the quartermaster. Yeah, you don't want to steal shit off British people at that time. Yeah, no. He was caught um, by a convict called William Saltmarsh. Uh, what an ass hat. Like it... <laughs> okay, it's fair enough if the, the soldiers or someone <laughs> along those you. lines, yeah, they, they grab you for stealing. But this was another convict. So, I, I would imagine that he didn't share whatever he took with William yeah, and William like, well, dubbed him you. in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he got lashes, but there's no report of a penalty. So, we don't know what happened. However, in less than a month's time, uh, David Collins, the colony's judge advocate, wrote that Matthew, would you like to do a upper-class British accent? Okay, upper-class British. I'll <laughs> do my best. This man was always reputed to be the hardest living convict in the colony. His frame was muscular, well calculated for hard labour. But in his intellects, he did not very wildly differ from a brute. His appetite was ravenous, for he would in any one day devour the full rations for two days. To gratify this appetite, he was compelled to steal from others, and all his thefts were directed to that purpose. Caesar was described by Collins after his first recapture as a wretch who was so indifferent about meeting death that he declared while in confinement that if he should be hanged, he would create a laugh before he was turned off by playing of some trick upon the executioner. And that pretty much tells you exactly what kind of personality that John Caesar had at that point. Yeah, he he a, just didn't give a shit yeah, anymore. He, he was a larrikin. Like, his whole life, this poor guy has had to survive, has been inclined towards stealing shit. Again, he came from, I, I guess, like, being a servant in England would still have probably been a shit job, depending on who was looking after you. Like, you would still be treated as a second-class citizen. Probably closer to fifth class, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> and I can understand why someone would probably want to get out of that situation, but it, it is important to remember that, it, by all accounts, this dude sounds like he was go always on the way to being a criminal. Like, that, that behaviour had been 
put into his head at a very young age. So, Governor Arthur Phillips set Caesar to work on Garden Island, where he would provide both himself and the colony with food, working while wearing fetters, which are thick, heavy iron bands around the waist. This meant that if you tried to swim off the island, you were not going to get very far. You would drown. Yes. Eventually, he was allowed to work without the iron belts, uh, considering he was only on the island for about four months, I'd say it'd probably be just short of the four months that he wasn't allowed to wear the iron belts anymore. Because on the 22nd of December, he stole a canoe, took a gun, robbed a settler's gardens and stole from the local Aboriginal population. What? What? How do you... So, robbed the settler's gardens. So, he took food. He stole food. He okay. stole stuff from the local Aboriginal population. He got in the canoe and he got the hell out of there. <laughs> he only lasted nine days, however, because he got wounded by one of the Aboriginal populations and returned to camp to get so healed. What? So, what? He would have taken a spear to the guts, I would imagine? I have a quote here from where he was returned, from the Cumberland Argus and Fruit Growers Advocate, published in Parramatta in 1899. I don't even know what kind of voice I could do for that. Do you want me to do it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I'll give it a shot, I guess. I I, I don't know the context for what a fruit grower would say. A fruit grower's advocate? What is that? Is that someone who stands out? The bureaucrat saying, yes, you'll need to pick that one. Oh, okay. (laughs) I, I thought it was like a dude standing outside of a farm going... Good job. (laughs) I like fruit and you're doing the fruit making. Thank you. (laughs) Keep it up. Uh, So, uh, on January 30th, 1790, the natives appeared, uh, the natives speared him in several parts of his body and gave himself up to justice. His story was that while trying to rescue the lost cattle from eight or nine natives, who were shepherding them near Prospect Hill, a second party of natives came up and wounded him. Yeah, so- I just went with General Australian on that guy. I don't know what a fruit advocate sounds like. Well, it's the fruit advocate was part of the paper. Are the strawberries ready? Make more strawberries. I enjoy them. I advocate for more fruit. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, Governor Arthur Phillip decided to pardon him. Sorry, just quickly. I just want to... This was at the point in Australian history where people were just making up jobs. Yeah, they were. Yeah. It was like, what are you? (laughs) Fruit. Cattle pusher. Advocate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Beef enthusiast. (laughs) I like food. Is that a job? <laughs> <laughs> January, uh, Governor Arthur Phillip pardoned him instead of punishing him and sent him to Norfolk Island in March 1790. So very slowly, he's working his way north. Why did he get a pardon, though? Well, there weren't that many people there and they needed people to So, there feed. was just resources. Yeah, they needed, yep. they needed farmers. So, you were going to get smacked around a little bit and then sent back out to work. While he was on Norfolk Island, he was assigned to assisting a doctor. However, by January 1892, Caesar was issued with an acre and ordered to work three days a week. Man, what a horrible working week that is. I wish I only had to work three days a fucking week. Yeah, but we're talking (laughs) like, I'm sure those three days a week that he had to work were not like three normal days. They would probably be like six till midnight, just plowing. I I can do that if I only have to work three days a week. I'll fucking do that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the... uh, like, he was sent to assist a doctor? Yeah. He- like, that speaks very poorly of medicine at the time. That speaks very poorly of the uh, population at that time. But they must have thought he was uh, intelligent enough 
to be put with a doctor. Well, the quote further up said that he was stupid. He was yeah, little more than a it, brute. So, maybe he was his job to hold the patient down while they cut off his leg. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, Norfolk Island as well. Very, um, very remote island. Uh, it's just off the coast of Sydney. Is that right? Or is it a little bit further up? I'm pretty sure it's near Newcastle. But they have a, 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 they have a weird way of governance, don't they? Have, they? It's like, like they're their not own part, territory. Yeah, they're not part... Like, they are part of Australia, but they are governed... Yeah, they have the Norfolk way. Island Territory rather than it being part of New South Wales yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. If you actually know where Norfolk Island is, let me know because I forgot to look that up. <laughs> well, the... Um, God, I can't remember his name, but we've met him a couple of times, the guy who worked on Mad Max Fury Road, the storyboarder. I don't remember. You remember him? I remember I did an interview about. with him on YouTube. Uh, and he lives at Norfolk Island. And there was a, a like a, a famous murder case there a couple of years back on Norfolk Island where a woman was killed and they were like, well, we're going to be able to work this out eventually. There are only so <laughs> a, many people here. It's a closed room drama. Yeah, they ended up doing, uh, I think day, it was DNA testing. I'm pretty sure they DNA tested the entire island. Yeah, they did. And it was a man from New Zealand, I think, I that think had so, committed yeah. the crime. Yeah, it's and been he, a while since I looked at that case. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, Norfolk Island. While Caesar was on Norfolk Island, he actually had a daughter with a fellow convict named Anne Power. Mary Ann Power was born 4th of March 1792. However, Caesar then left his family and was returned to Port Jackson in 1793. So his family was left behind on Norfolk Island and he was moved on. It's it, Look, it's, it's a pretty much part of the course back in those days and still now. That's the equivalent of like dad's going to the, the shop to get some cigarettes. It never comes back. It never comes back. That's the equivalent <laughs> of that in the 1700s. July 1794, Caesar escaped again but returned home within a week. By this point in time, I would have thought he'd learn that he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing once he's off territory. Yeah, he's not very good I at escaping. I think that's number four. Yeah. Um, Caesar was working in a party in Botany Bay when he was under attack by Aborigines, led by a man called Pemelway. Now, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but that's how I'm going to say it. We will be covering Pemelway in a future episode because I found him very interesting. Okay. Caesar wounded Pemelway and cracked his skull. Damn. However, he survived to irritate the shit out of the British for a much longer time. Pemelway was a leader of the Aboriginal resistance to British colonization within the region. So, if he'd killed Pemelway, he would have been lauded as a hero at that point. Okay. Um, just because, you know, it would have been like Guy Fawkes. He was just irritating the shit out of the government over and over and over again. So, Caesar- no, Guy Fawkes didn't irritate the government over and over again. He tried he, to blow them up He's part of the resistance once. that irritated the government yes. over and over again. Yes. December 1795, Caesar escaped for the last time. He led a group of other convicts from Port Arthur. So, this is your first Bush Ranger gang. Settlers in the area were told not to supply him with ammunition. However... The government was pretty sure that they were doing that anyway. (laughs) Why were they doing that? They were just like, meh, fuck you, British. (laughs) They're giving me money. I give them ammo. I don't give a flying fuck what they do with it at this point. We need resources. It's thin on the ground. (laughs) He wants our stuff. (laughs) They're stealing flour from you and giving it to me. Like, I'll give them ammo if they want it. Yeah. So, the reward for Caesar's capture was five gallons of spirits. So, right here, we're seeing the introduction of the barter system that would lead to the Rum Rebellion later on. Yes, because they start using spirits as currency. Yes. Um, Caesar was quoted to say, 
I will neither come in nor suffer myself to be taken alive. Basically, come and get me <laughs> and we're shooting this out to the death. <laughs> come and get me, motherfuckers. <laughs> Pretty much. 15th. Oh, actually, the way you said that, you know who there should be a movie about this and you know who should play him? Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to say that. You know why? Because I just think Samuel L. Jackson should play everybody. <laughs> He's trying. He's trying very hard. Yeah. It's like someone said to me the other day, they're like, who would you like to see playing Donald Trump in a movie about the, this era of politics? And I was like, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> and they looked at me funny. I'm like, no, mate. He, Samuel L. Jackson has the attitude that he could pull off the character <laughs> of Donald Trump. Well, but it would never happen, but it would be great if well, he Samuel would play Donald Trump. Well, Samuel L. Jackson is a reason Nick, Nick Fury was black in the comics anyway, so... Yeah, yeah, because when they... I won't get on, into it too much, but yeah, when Marvel relaunched... They launched a separate lot of comics that didn't have to bow down to the continuity of like 50 years. And when they were de redesigning Nick Fury, they approached Samuel L. Jackson and said, can we use your likeness for this version of Nick Fury? And I'm sure he was like, fuck yeah. And... That's how we have him in the MCU now. Yes, he's now in both versions. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 15th of February, 1796. Caesar was tracked down by John Wimblow and another man at Liberty Plains. Caesar fired at them. They fired back. Big firefight. Wimblow managed to wound him and he ended up dying of the wound before anyone could help him. Yeah, that, which was pretty much the case. You get shot, you're going down. Well, by that point in time, there's no penicillin. You're not really doing anything hygienic. The bullet is made of lead anyway like you're gonna die one way or another for some reason a coroner's inquest was ordered on caesar's body however i didn't actually find any results so whether or not the I inquest went ahead him. or not he got shot and died of the wound <laughs> someone shot him in the shoulder <laughs> and he died what know, more do i need from here yeah i don't know how much of a, a coroner's inquest that you really need on that um but i'd never heard of uh, John, John Caesar. Julius Caesar. But why do you think he is the first Bushranger? Just because of the... Like, there had to be more, like a lot of people stealing in that. What what do you think makes him so distinct that you would call him the first Bushranger? Well, because of the fact of his skin colour, he was discriminated against, including with the other convicts. Now, as I said, that meant that getting anything legitimate became a big pain in the ass for him because people would have seen... In his dark face, they would have seen more Aborigine than convict. And at that point, they weren't very happy with the Aborigines either. So Because the Aboriginals were like, all these fuck fucking- Fuck you, don't take my land. Yeah, they, yeah, pretty much. They're like, <laughs> they're, 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 they're like, all these white fuckers have rocked up and they're now telling us that this is their shit and we're going to fight back. Yeah, so Caesar is the first bushranger because he thieved, he robbed, he fired at authority when they came to get him even though it took him four goes to actually escape properly. Um, he is a bushranger, but he is the proto-bushranger. He's not yep. quite there, but he is there. Yeah, it's it's the beginnings of the uh, of the attitude. Of He's what everyone else modelled themselves on. Yeah, getting a gun, becoming self-reliant, going into the bush, stealing and, what you can. And later on, getting yourself a gang. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, that's a, uh, a short introduction into the world of Bushrangers with uh, John Julius Caesar. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the more famous guys uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so lock yourselves in because this is going to be a fun one. You're going to find something really interesting to listen to, no matter what you're into. How, how many uh, Bushrangers ha have you got there? Like, obviously, we'd be talking Ned Kelly. We're going to be talking Captain Moonlight, maybe? 
Just because I like his name, Captain <laughs> Moonlight. Sounds like a comic book character. So far, the uh, the five entries are, of course, John Julius Caesar, the Cannibal Bushrangers of Tasmania. Oh, yeah, the Cannibals, yeah. Michael Howe's Civil War, the Bathurst Rebellion, and, of course, Ned Kelly. Yep. So, we're going to be talking about uh, those guys over the next couple of weeks. So, stay tuned. You're going to enjoy it. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn a lot. <laughs> I think we we are, we, we're going to about colonial Australia. It's very, very interesting. Uh, so, if you'd like to get in touch with us, easiest way to do that is to drop us a line on Facebook. We have our Weird Crap in Australia Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter. At Modern Meltdown is the handle, or you can let us know via the Weird Crap in Australia Twitter. At Weird Crap Oz, which is AUS. Yep. And you can shoot us an email to either the Modern Meltdown at gmail.com or Weird Crap in Australia at gmail. And you can find us on Instagram. We are the Modern Meltdown. And if all of those avenues fail you, you can head over to themodernmeltdown.net and leave a comment there as well. So, plenty of ways to get in touch with us. Or let us know some topics that you want to see covered. Yeah, that that is one thing. Like, especially for our international listeners, if you have heard a weird story about Australia and you want us to do some fact checking. We will be doing drop bears. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, we will cover drop bears. I thought I saw a UFO the other night. Yeah, tell us about it. Mm, I'll I'll just very, very quickly here. But uh, the other night uh, I was driving home. I drive home at night uh, just due to my paid job. 3 a.m. Yeah, 3 a.m. It was a 3 a.m. night that night. And so, I'm cruising along and I see like six lights in the sky and they're all circling each other, going around and around and around. And I was like, I can't fucking believe this. Like, this isn't my whole life. Like, I obviously, I know a lot about UFOs, but I never expected to see one myself. And uh, I was just hit with sort of maybe a bit of a paralyzing fear, actually. So I oh go, God, it's all true. Yeah. <laughs> so I go to whip out my phone to uh, to record this thing, and the lights uh, sort of come together one more time, and then quickly, scatter. you know, they scatter and uh, freak me out. Freak me out enough that when I got home, I, w- I woke Holly up. Holly, wake up! I think I saw a UFO. I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, it turns out it wasn't. They were just testing lights for the Floriard display here in Canberra. So, I didn't realise- Live realize, in hope, Matthew. Live I didn't realise that was going on. So, yeah, no aliens this week, but I will keep an eye to the skies. Uh, otherwise, I'd like to thank my co-host, Holly Hunt, without the podcast, uh, without her research, rather, this podcast wouldn't happen. Absolutely not, because you'd never heard of this guy. Exactly right. Uh, I've been your host, Matthew Soul. Please stay safe. And if you have to go out bush ranging, don't forget to bring a helmet. And a musket. And we'll see you next week. This has been a production of The Modern Meltdown. For more podcasts just like it, head to themodernmeltdown.net.